this evening for a title is uh, The Holy Spirit is Our Semicolon. And you fill in the blank. Okay? And so, uh, how be it, in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, verse 6, verse 6, how be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. That, but God has revealed, we can't leave that. We can't just leave that there, which most people do. We have to finish it because the explanation is in verse 10. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. So I'll just pause right here and say, as a added benefit of speaking in tongues, you, the, you're allowing the Spirit of Almighty God, who searches and knows the deeper things of God, to reveal them to you. And they're going to come up through your Spirit. We'll delve into that a little more this evening. For what man, verse 11, for what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of a man? which is in him. So if you want to know anything about yourself, don't check your mind. Check your spirit. Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the, thing, but the Spirit of God knows. And that's our connection, okay? Now, verse 12, we've not received, we now have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God that we might know the things. This is one of the many reasons why we have the connection with the Spirit of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Verse 13, which things we also speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. Verse 14, But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And so, portion, a part of tonight's ministry, I'm going to... Uh, reiterate some uh, some areas here that I was rehearsing with my wife earlier in the evening um, how we were thrust into an arena that we knew nothing about and the church that we were attending 
knew nothing about. And the church, that was her home church. She was raised in that church. And I was raised in a small Southern Baptist church that had to be kind. I would say they were operating in all the knowledge that they had, but it was very, very limited. Um, they would qualify for the church at Corinth where Paul talks about um, how they were divided. Uh, every Wednesday was midweek prayer service. And the, normally, I think it was quarterly, they had a business meeting on Wednesday night. But they left, they left, the, they left the parliamentary procedure part open so that at any given time, someone in the congregation could start a business meeting and so they were bad about uh, they were bad about not appreciating the minister. Now I don't back in those I don't know how the guy shows up, but he did. They were never without a pastor, but I don't think they ever liked any of them because on one Wednesday night, half the church would open up a business meeting and vote him out, and. Uh, the next Wednesday, he would be they would be the other pastor till the next Wednesday night. And then the other half of the church would vote him back in, and so you know this went on and on and on. So they they weren't very spiritual people; they were uh, very religious people. And so tonight we're going to show. Um, I'm going to go back here to the back of this and start from the back and come forward so we can cover it real well. Um, okay, we'll go back to Philippians, the fourth chapter. Now, we've covered this here in Corinthians now, which is talking about uh, where this wisdom comes from. It comes from our spirit. Now, the whole point here is that we are to become accustomed to being led by our spirit. But one of the things that hinders that and stops it is natural thinking. Um, Nat we just read, natural thinking and spiritual thinking do not go together. They're, they're opposites. But we have a tendency after, uh, we're, after we're redeemed and we said this, I think, Sunday. Maybe we ought to repeat it again to some degree. And because I've heard this, someone asked me this question pertaining to redemption, which is, the entrance to the Holy Ghost into your spirit is redemption. Okay, that's where the, a lot of Christians are today. They're just redeemed. 
they have the Spirit in them, but they do not have the Spirit on them. And the dual working of the Holy Spirit is in and upon. If you go back to Acts, where Jesus told the disciples, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit does what? On you. He, okay, he told them he, he's with you. He didn't say he was in them. He said he's with you and he will be upon you. Okay, so there's two operations here that we have to zoom in on and to get an understanding. Uh, as far as God's concerned, he wants the completed work. Uh, but satanic forces and religious, religion and Satan work, working together has defeated a lot of Christians and has, has robbed them of the thing that they need or the things that they need. And one of the things that they need is to be filled with the Spirit, not just have the Spirit and be sealed with the Holy Ghost, but they need to be filled with the Spirit. That's really because it's difficult to be led by the Holy Ghost if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost. And it's difficult for the anointing to be upon you when you're not filled with the Holy Ghost. Okay, so these are the things that we're gonna, we're gonna get involved with to some degree, okay? We, we uh, let's go back up to Philippians 4, chapter verse 6. So be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And so this means that you're going to have to take some time to formulate your prayer from the basis of being thankful. In other words, he's, he's almost, he's, He's almost forcing you to get into faith here. Faith thanks, faith is thankful before it receives because it believes that it already has it. And that's basically what Paul is edging around here. Okay? But what we have to learn to do, which is our responsibility, is to couch everything that we do in thanksgiving being thankful for it before you have it because you already realize that it's yours. In other words, before the manifestation comes, you already have it. It's in you. It's already been given to you. It's in you, but it's not manifested. It's not doing you any good because it has to be brought forth. It has to come out from the... It's not going in. See, this is where a lot of people miss it. It doesn't go in from the outside. It's already in there. We want to come in. We want it to to come from the inside out so it can start affecting our lives and affecting other people's lives. So, if we would have been taught from the beginning that we receive the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, the majority of you people in this church, you came here already filled with the Holy Ghost. Very few of you have we ministered to for you to be filled with the Spirit? Some possibly, but very few. The majority of you already knew. 
But here's the whole point here. This is what's being set up. If we had known, if we had been taught from the beginning that we received the person of the Holy Spirit and we were developing a consciousness of His indwelling in us when we first became Christians, then the Holy Spirit would be having a greater manifestation with us right now. But we didn't know that. Here's what happened to us in most cases because we didn't understand the connection or what was taking place. It became an experience with us. We experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost with absolutely no knowledge of what this was. We realized from whatever that it was something that we had need of. We needed it. We wanted it. We had need of it. But that still doesn't, that won't correct it. Because the majority of people today, the majority of people today who are, who are filled with the Spirit of God receive this kind of understanding. It's an experience, and it's causing them problems. Because instead of understanding that it's the person of the Holy Spirit, It's an experience that they had. And instead of engaging in the Holy Ghost, we want to engage in the experience. We want to keep duplicating the experience, which is entirely wrong to start with. It wasn't an experience. When you got redeemed, that wasn't an experience. That wasn't an experience. You can fool around and get to the place where that's what you claim and that's what you think, but that doesn't make it right just because you think it. What happened to you when you were redeemed when the moment that you accepted and proclaimed Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and you accepted Him as who the Father says He is, that moment wasn't an experience you became a new creature. Okay? But see, even today, that's not ministered as it should be to people. It's a lot easier to minister to people on the experience level than it is to minister to them on the truth level. And somebody says, well, what difference does it make? It makes a lot of difference when it, come, when it, when it comes time for you to take this 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 whatever you want to call it in your life and make it functional. Redemption is supposed to be functional. Redemption is something we're supposed to have absolute knowledge of because we're going to need it. We're going to need to be able to voice it. The voicing of it, the exercising that right of voicing the fact that you're a new creation, you're a new creature, sets you apart immediately. See, because there's a, there, there's a, there is a section of the body of Christ, a portion of the body of Christ, who have no understanding of this. And their idea is they're still just old sinners saved by grace. Now, 
old sinners saved by grace are in trouble when it comes time to believe God. And before the smoke clears around here, folks, that's what's going to have to happen. God is grooming you to believe Him. Because there's going to come a time in the future of this nation and the world that people are going to have to learn how to trust God. And it's a lot easier to learn how now than it is when all hell is breaking loose around you. But that's going to happen. It's just like that old adage about building a house in a storm. Most people put it off and wait. They don't want to, they don't, they, 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 uh, it's easier to, uh, it's easier to trust man. It's easier to trust self. It's easier to think natural. We've got to reverse this. We got to quit trusting ourselves. We got to quit trusting man. We got to start trusting God. And we got to quit thinking natural. We got to start thinking spiritual. Now, now's the time to do it before the Democrats get in. I'm kidding. But that's a point. Huh? It's in the future. It's down there. Okay? The body of Christ is going to be called upon to trust God. The world can't trust God. The people that are not born again can't trust God. They're not saved. They have no connection with God whatsoever. It's, it's the believer. Okay? So let's step in this a little bit farther. Had we had a person been filled with the Spirit, been born, been, been redeemed, filled with the Spirit, and had knowledge of what that was, as the truth, it's, it's the reception of the person of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Had that been in, enforced and they understood, in their Christian growth, they would have greater manifestations of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Because before you can have manifestations of the Holy Spirit in your life, you're going to have to stop thinking natural. Okay, so my wife and I, when we were uh, in the Methodist Church up at uh, uh, Denver, south of Denver, the uh, it, was a, it was wonderful people. It's a great Methodist Church. Been there for years and years and years and years and years. Somewhere in their history, somebody in their leadership had resisted the Holy Ghost and decided that uh, that wasn't necessary. The baptism of the Holy Ghost wasn't necessary. And so by closing that door, uh, what happens when man does this, God doesn't just beat that door down. He just walks around the block and opens another door. You listen to me? You understand the terminology I'm saying? They shut the door. God didn't burn the building down. God didn't destroy the people. Okay? When the charismatic move came into the nation, this is God bringing His Spirit into a, to a group of people that had, that for whatever the reason, had denied the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We've been down this road a little while, here a while back, remember? 
When this, the Spirit of God coming into America was God's doing. Yes, yes, the, the, the young girls out there were hungry, and they were seeking, but something I'm in, to me, inside of me, I, the Spirit of God had to be involved even in that. Well, you don't understand what I'm saying yet, but it'll, it'll dawn on you as we go along. When my wife and I were, were in the Methodist church, and this program came along, uh, the pastor that, we, that was there at the time, he became, and I was asking my wife about this the other day, and she just wasn't interested in talking about it, but I was trying to find out how Billy Stamey became hungry for the things of God. He's the pastor of the church. He's hungry for the things of God. Nobody in the church is but him. I wasn't even sure that Beth, his wife, was. That's my question to my wife. Was Beth involved in this with Billy, or was he by himself? And uh, so this was at the time when there was some movement inside of the Methodist church. They weren't as, they got strict later, but at this time they were a little loose with their with their uh, administration. And so this man uh, brought in a couple of speakers, whether, I don't know if he knew it or not, but they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Nobody in the church, I'd never seen anything, I'd never, I didn't know anything about being filled with the Spirit. I just knew that these people, when they ministered, was different than anything else I heard. Especially this one guy named Simpson from Alabama, old pastor, old old minister. Uh, he he just uh, he didn't walk around nothing. I mean, he brought it straight out, and I, I love that kind of ministry. And I just I just sat there spellbound because most of this Methodist stuff we were getting was none like that. They didn't shoot from the hip. They danced around everything. When you got through, you couldn't even figure out what they were saying. But not this man, not Mr. Sim not Pastor Simpson. He, he. Uh, matter of fact, he's the first one who offered uh, from the pulpit. He offered in his invitation people to be filled with the Spirit. Nobody had ever done that before. And so there were there was a few takers. People started were, were interested and wanted to. Cheryl and I were not. We were not. Uh, Cheryl's aunt, some of the nephews had accidentally pushed her down some stairs and had messed her back up. She was in bad shape in her back. She was, what, 80-something years old. And Mr. Simpson was ministering. And all of a sudden he said, there's somebody here. You're having pain in your back. Nobody moved because, see, this church wasn't used to any of this kind of ministry. That was new to them. And so he comes back and he said, that person is a female. Nobody moved. He said, that person has got a blue dress on. Well, my wife is seated beside Aunt Georgie, and she knows that she's got problems in her back, bad problems in her, she's hurting, and she sees right away she's a female, and she's wearing a blue dress. And so Cheryl leans over and spoke and whispered in Aunt Georgie's ear, said, Georgie, I think he's talking about you. 
and she got up and went forward. And God healed her. That's that that wasn't that wasn't something everyday ministry at the Methodist Church. But that was an introduction. Okay? Now, when uh, the pastor introduced the program that the lay people were going to come and they were going to minister and give testimonies and nobody knew what all that meant whatsoever, and these people came forward. Uh, two people in the group or a family was filled with the Holy Ghost and Cheryl and I saw them and we didn't know what it was, but we knew that something was different and we quizzed them and then they told us what limited amount they could tell us and that's something that we desired. So we, uh, we uh, shall receive the baptism before I did. Then I, got, then I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I got baptized in the Spirit. Now, here's what happens. I said all that to say this. I can't say anything. I can't say for her. All I can say is for me. I have got to make a 180 degree change. Because I know nothing about spiritual things. Nothing. All I know is natural things. I lived my whole life natural. I lived my whole life independent. I lived my whole life, I didn't trust anybody and I didn't need anybody. And if I couldn't do it, then we left it alone. I wasn't gonna incorporate my life with somebody else because everybody I'd already done nothing with, everybody I'd already incorporated with were either hurt me deliberately or they hurt me accidentally. And I just got tired of getting hurt. So I just built me up a real nice wall around me and snuggled down inside and said to hell with everybody. I don't really need them. Well, that's not going to go over too good. Not with God. Not after I'd already gone this far. I got redeemed. I had a full-fledged, uh, a full-fledged uh, new creation. There was no question in my mind about that. Then I got filled with the Holy Ghost. But now I got to change. I can't keep thinking that way. I've got to start thinking totally the opposite direction. But nobody, the church is not teaching it. The church isn't encouraging it. The church is discouraging it. The church wants everything uh, status quo. They don't want anything to change. Cheryl and I, our lives have got to change. So what's happening, What this is the whole point. We have to learn the two of us, we have to learn how to be led by the Holy Ghost. And like, she's, like she was telling tonight as I was getting ready, she said, here's why. You could not go over there tonight and teach it had you not gone through it. If I can't live by faith, I surely can't teach you how. If I can't be led by the Holy Ghost, I can't teach you how. So it was learning to be led by the Holy Ghost every day was a major, major, major 
classroom experience in my life. Okay? I've always worked. I like to work. I've never been afraid of work in my life. I, at one year, I turned in 11 W-2 forms. I don't mind working. And here I, I came back from Ramah, and we, we settled into the, to the, to the Smith house up there on the lake, and I started going out to look for a job, and the Spirit of God said, no. No. Well, I don't know. You don't say anything else, just no. It'd be nice if he'd have said no but or, you know, no, 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 but no. The pressure's on from the neighborhood. All the people are saying that, uh, what's wrong with this man? He won't work and feed his family. And so one of the, one of the men up there had a business. I stopped in there one day to get some uh, gas in my car, and he walked out to me, and he said, uh, hey, um, this, this place is open up here for you anytime you want it. He said, you can come up here and work anytime. And I thought, you know, I'm not looking for a job, see. This is being given to me, so I'm going to get away clean. So I'm thinking, wow, praise God. And I get in the car and start from home. I didn't get 100 yards. And the Lord said, I told you, no. It doesn't make any difference what's going on. It's no. No. So I decided, I decided, I said, okay, here's what I'll do. I'm, this must be some interference with something. I'd be interfering with something working in the daylight hours. So I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll get me a observer route. I'll get up early in the morning before daylight, and I'll be back home by the time the sun comes up, and it won't interfere with God. It won't interfere with anything you're doing. I'll do it on my own time. And I didn't hear anything. I thought, well, hey, finally, getting someplace. See, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to learn how to be led. I'm trying how to get out of stuff. I'm trying to do things my way. I'm still trying to do natural. I'm trying to do it naturally. And so I almost settled. I'd almost got ready to call up the observer and set up me a route so I could do all this. And all of a sudden, on a Saturday afternoon, there's a knock on the door. We answer the door, and it's a couple that we hadn't seen for a long time. And they just said, we just dropped by to see you all. How you doing? Well, I still ain't got a clue what's going on. I don't know that they're there to tell me that my deal is not going to work. So we're all sitting around, you know, talking, catching up on all kinds of things and everything. Finally, we're seated in the, in the den on the bean bags. My gosh. Bright orange bean bags for furniture. That would have been a clue, huh? But anyway. We're on the bean bags and we're talking. And this guy reaches in his pocket, pulls out a sheet of paper and said, oh, listen, let me read you this. This may interest you. A person who has an observer route, it costs them X number of dollars a month to run that route. They make no money. They have to wind up pay. Here's what it costs them in car expenses, all on. He had it all figured out. And I'm thinking, thanks. Really? 
Nobody knew about this observer route but me and God. And he harpooned it right there, just bang. The point is this. I've got to stop thinking natural. I've got to start thinking spiritual. I've got to start letting the Holy Ghost guide me. And it was on. Okay, so now um, I'm, in an, I'm in a brand new endeavor, okay? My wife knows more about it than I do. I don't know anything about it, okay? I didn't ask. I didn't ask to be a minister. I didn't ask to be a pastor. I didn't ask for any of this. I get this, whether I want it or not, okay? And so, uh, my bride tells me, you know, you know that you've got to change the way you look. I said, what the heck's wrong with the way I look? Been satisfactory for 40 years. I'm about 42 years old now. I said, been satisfactory for 42 years. What, what am I going to change? She says, ministers don't dress like you dress. And I said, well, maybe they ought to learn how. Now, look, I ain't a pushover, and I ain't giving up. But I'm swimming upstream all the time without any help. So to make a long story short, there's nothing in Charlotte in those days. Bless, bless Charlotte's heart in those days. It was nothing but a large mill village. Belk's was about the biggest store in town. And you go down to Belk's to buy a suit, and the best thing you could get is $142. You ever seen what a man looks like in a $142 suit? That's exactly what he looks like. A $142 suit. And so my bride said, no, we got to do better than that. We're, we're going to Atlanta. I said, for what? Because, see, I'd already been, I was already a big spender at pennies. You know, Walmart hadn't come along yet. Kmart had just broken the ice. So I was a big spender at pennies. And I gave her permission to buy anything she wanted to at pennies, but let's don't venture out no further than that. I got a lot to learn and a short time to learn it. And so this friend of ours said he knew some people, and we I think they were talking about my back. I wasn't in on this conversation. We go to Atlanta and we go to Neiman's. I've never been in Neiman's store in my life. We go to Neiman Marcus. And the next thing I know, there's a guy over there telling me to stretch your arm out. And he starts measuring me for shirts and stuff. I said, wait, 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 wait. We're going too fast. And so my bride said, no, no, no. We're not going too fast. This is what we're going to do. So the guy took the measurement and all that stuff. Then while they're over there talking and everything, I start wandering around the store. And you know, I have these mannequins all dressed up. And I walked over to this one mannequin and reached over. First thing everybody else was doing, this first thing I do, take the price tag up and look at it and dropped it like it was hot. I'm talking about hot. And the Holy Ghost spoke up inside of me and said, what are you doing? 
Well, you know, when God speaks to you like that, you're already in trouble. You've already done something that you ain't supposed to do. You already know that. Matter of fact, you knew when you did that you weren't supposed to do it. And here's the whole point. All that was natural thinking. And the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, Would you like to limit me to what you think? It's a direct question. The answer is no. Because I can't think very big. Because I'm natural. I'm limited. And I said no. He said, well, stop doing what you're doing. He said, see, what you're doing is you're setting a limit by by the way you react. You're setting a limit. You're saying that whatever that was on that mannequin, that that's too expensive for you. He said, it's not too expensive for me. It's too expensive for you. And you've got to learn here. You've got to learn something here. Are you going to do it or am I going to do it? Well, I'd reach my limit. I can't do it. He said, the, the more you do that, the more you limit me in your life. And so I said, well, we're not going to go that route. So what do I need to do? He said, number one, you need to pay attention and look and see what you see. He said, see, I went over to the ladies' department and I picked up a, I picked up a, uh, a tag on a mannequin for a ladies' dress. This was in, uh, oh, what, 680? Probably around 82 or something like that. And uh, this dress tag was $26,000. Now, I'd already been over and got chastised for whatever it was. So now I'm looking at this. Now what do I do? And the Lord said, see what your problem is, is you're looking at it like you have to do this. You, you, you say, you're, immediately you would say, I don't like this because I can't do this. He said, but that's none of your business. So you're starting to say to yourself, who's going to buy this? He said, that's still none of your business. There are people in this world that that is no problem with them. That's everyday clothes. So what he's telling me is I got to get out of the pennies mentality and I got to get out of it fast. And it's not easy because that's all I know. All I know. Some of you are right there. God wants to bless you. But you're going to have to take the limitations off of Him. And you're going to have to let the Holy Ghost lead you. Now, I know I went through this same scenario. Dad Hagen wore blended shirts. I wouldn't wear a blend shirt because a blend shirt will knot up on you in a heartbeat. And I can't take naughty shirts. I can't take it. I'd rather not wear a shirt than have one with knots on it. I won't wear clothes that knot up. You're, they're mixing blends together, and as you rub it, it'll peel up on you. You know what I mean? And you've got to shave it. That's stupid. So you've got to start paying attention to what you're buying. And when you're buying it, 
Kmart, that's all you expect to get is peeled up clothes because that's all they sell. They don't sell silk. Are you listening to me? When you start moving up the ladder, you can get away with get away from all that foolishness, and the Holy Ghost will start. Leaving. If you got, you're gonna have to let him. He won't do it against your will. He sees having to teach me, because if I don't go through it, I can't teach you. I can teach you to let God lead you if you'll pay attention and listen. You gotta throw away all the natural thinking, all the natural thinking that you have. You got to, it's, listen, it's easier not to learn it than it is to unlearn it. You're better off Christ, with, with Christian principles. You're better off in the Word of God to never know a thing and learn it than to get caught up in a bunch of religious stuff and have to unlearn it. Okay, for instance, I had been taught, I didn't know which side God was on because I was never taught which side God was on. The way it was said to me was God was against me because God would extract from me what he wanted if I didn't give it to him. This is what I believe. This is what I've been taught. Some of you have been taught the same thing. God's not for you. He's against you. He'll make you pay. You make him unhappy, and he'll take it out on you. better never go there than to have to unlearn that stuff because you, you can't unlearn it in a vacuum. The way you have to unlearn it is you have to find the truth and replace it in your belief system. And it's not easy to do because you're working against yourself. You're working because you're strangling the natural man you're putting him out of business. You're changing him. You're exchanging it for spiritual things. You're allowing your spirit man to outgrow your natural man, and it takes work. But too often, because of incorrect teaching, the idea of experience is strong and has to be unlearned because we try to have a similar experience like the first one. We do not seek the Holy Ghost as we should. It's not an experience at all, but the person of the Holy Spirit who came to live inside of us. A lot of what we were taught was wrong, and we have to unlearn. It's a lot harder to unlearn than it is to learn because we can go on into the things with God. Before we can go on into the things with God, we must unlearn those things that, are, that cause us to follow after the natural more than the spiritual. Like, whose side is God really on? When have we been taught that God punishes us for things? Anybody in here ever been taught God punishes you for things? I'm not talking about now. I'm talking about in your past. Have you t been taught God punishes you for things? Certainly, that was the that's the, that was the, the 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 norm. We've been taught that God punishes us, or with or God withholds from us if God's not pleased with us, or we must keep some of the law to receive. 
You understand that? We just went through a whole six-month series here to, to, to divorce us from the law and give us into 100% pure grace. Okay, that was on purpose. Some of you all didn't understand that, but it was on purpose. And the whole idea is don't go back. Don't go back to the foolishness under the law. What are the, some of the things like that would be under the law? Okay, I'll tell you one. Jesus, a man came to Jesus one day and said, Good master, what must I do to be saved? And what did Jesus say? Huh? What did he say? Sell everything. Give it to the poor. Okay, that's law. God's never required you to sell everything because we're under grace. Remember, this line here represents, here's law, here's grace. Over here is a whole new ballgame. There's another time that Jesus, someone came to Jesus and said something about forgiveness. And what did Jesus say? You must forgive so you can be forgiven. Remember that? Yes. That's over here. Yeah. That's 100% law. And I hear preachers that mix it. They try to bring some of that over here. They want to threaten you. No, 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 not over here. You don't have to do anything. See, Jesus told that person, you must forgive somebody. You must forgive so you can get forgiveness. That's not over here. We're automatically forgiven regardless and it stays that way. And God doesn't hold it against you. Over here, He does. Hey, over here under the law, God held it against them all the time. And this is the point. You can go over here and read where it says, what did God do to Pharaoh? He hardened his heart, right? Over here. He couldn't do that over here. He wouldn't even think about it. Why? Because times have changed. We're now 100% grace. So what we have to start paying attention to is 100% grace all the time, Amen. not part-time. No, no, no. This never was for us over here anyway. So I read over in Romans where Paul said, we never were under the law, and then he talks like we were. So I said, Paul, make up your mind. I was never under the law. Why are you talking to me about I'm under the law? I've never been under the law. I'll never be under the law. I'm 100% grace and will always be 100% grace. I'm a Gentile. They were under the law, not Gentiles. Matter of fact, the truth of the matter, we went through this. God never even talked to them for years and years and years, right? Why? Why did he not talk to them? because of some covenants that were made. Remember? I don't want to wander off the reservation too far here because it's easy for me to get back in that six months because I liked it. <laughs> because it was so refreshing to, to automatically have your eyes open and see that the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was never written to the body of Christ. That it was... Remember I said, all Scripture is written by God's breath, okay? God breathed on all Scripture. And if you can legally 
use it, use it. Don't try to illegally use it. What do you mean illegally use it? Put yourself back under the law at any time for anything. That's illegal. Well, I got to do this to you, okay? Like that, that we just said, that forgive to get forgiveness ourselves. God teaches us with sickness and disease and pain. I've heard people, heard John Hagee make that statement. That's not true. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You can't go over and read where God, how God dealt with uh, Israel under that old covenant. You can't go over and read that and then come over here and exercise it in grace. It won't work. Yes, God did those things. And yes, they got sickness put upon them. And yes, all these things happened to them. Not over here. Because Jesus has died and been resurrected. And it's a whole new ball game at the resurrection of Jesus when, when the curtain was torn and the Holy Ghost evacuated the Holy of Holies. All of it changed. So now our confession is the Holy Ghost doesn't live in anything made with hands. Lives in us. Our confession continually is the Holy Ghost lives in us. Remember, a consciousness. We have to become conscious that the Spirit of God dwells in us all of the time. And if we do not actively engage in that, then we we do not receive the benefits of that acknowledgement. We have to acknowledge this, that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Whether... Okay... Whether you do it or where you do whether you do it or not doesn't make any difference whether he's there or not, but it makes a difference whether you ex, whether you get the benefits of him being there or not. You can't confess him out. You can't say I'm done with you. Get out of here. That doesn't work. Okay, but I, but I, I want to go here. Holy mackerel. Um, our faith isn't balanced with works. Theirs was. Ours isn't. Our faith isn't balanced with works. We seem to think our failure is God's will. Our minds get cluttered up with religious teachings, and it makes it hard to hear and receive and follow the voice of God through His Spirit. It gets, we, get, we get bogged down with religious understanding. We have to get away from all the religious teachings, okay? And we, he keep bringing this up because it's the easiest one to do, and that's sovereignty stuff. You just have to get away, you have to get away from everything and start going back and understand the lease. If you understand the lease, then you understand sovereignty as it really is. As long as man is on the earth, and as long as the lease is in effect, God is limited to what he can do except through his body on the planet. That's all there are to it. Okay, so here we're going to, we just said pray with thanksgiving, right? So I'm going to give you some examples. Pray similarly like this. Father, I thank you that I'm led by the Holy Spirit or your spirit. You can do either way of this. I, I think that I'm led by your spirit. Every day he leads me. And he reveals to me where I should go and to whom I should see 
and what I should see and what I should say and the hidden things that are revealed. He reveals the hidden things to me. Okay? Then you say, I thank you, Father. This is with thanksgiving, see? I thank you, Father. The Holy Spirit reveals to me hidden things that I need to see and hear, things that pertain to the assignment I have today, things that I need for my life, things that cause me to live victorious physically, mentally, socially, and spiritually. Father, I thank you that I received a greater revelation of the Holy Spirit in my life that I hear and know His voice more and more every day that I may receive from Him the deeper things of the Spirit that you have for me for the revelation of the Holy Spirit in and upon my life, for the anointing that is upon my life to bless others beyond what we could ask or think. I thank you, Father, that the Holy Spirit no longer dwells in a house made by hands. He now lives in me. So now greater is he who lives in me than who lives in the world. And he has become a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. That's salvation. You got that? Okay. Thank you, Father, for the flow of living water flowing out from me to bring healing and deliverance, the healing and deliverance power of the Lord Jesus Christ to those who are in need. That's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Two different things. And you find them in the gospel where Jesus describes them. Okay? Now, someone said that this prayer that we prayed Sunday morning was a real blessing to them. And so let's close my portion of this service tonight. If you all would stand with me, we're going to pray this prayer. I'm going to do a line. You say it behind me. We'll pray this prayer to the Father. Father, my heart yearns to know the person of the Holy Spirit more deeply and to experience His personal power. I ask you to reveal truths and grant me understanding so I can cooperate with and respond to the Holy Spirit, His ministry in my life. Father, I desire to walk in the spiritual depth and fullness that Jesus made available to me. When he prayed in John 14 that you would send the helper, the Holy Spirit, to indwell me, I ask you to open the door for me to embark on a spiritual path that I've never been on before. I know that this is your will for me. So today, I come before you, your throne boldly and confidently to receive with gratitude and joy and I pray, and I pray all, of this all of this in the mighty name, the mighty name of, Jesus of Jesus Christ. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So the question, so the question was said. You remember what the Lord said about the numbers? 21 days, which makes it December the 1st. The Lord said in this body, for these people, something major is going to occur in the lives of these people in the next 21 days. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 Glory, glory, glory. 19 days away. Hallelujah. Do we have any men in here that, that uh, hunt deer? It's deer season. We got one, two. Okay. So, um, how many different ways are there to hunt deer? How many different ways are there to hunt deer? You can bow hunt, black powder, rifle, car, vehicle. You can wrestle them to the ground if you're man enough. Terry, maybe knife. Okay. All right. But if you hunt the wrong way at the wrong time, right, you can get in trouble. Is that right, George? Terry? All right, okay. So praying in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's going to give you what to say, what to do specific for that situation. Amen? You can look into the Word of God, okay, about a situation, right? And the Word of God is true, and it's real, and it's alive, right? But, the, but there's a lot of things in the Word of God about specific situations, eight, nine, ten different ways of sowing, right? But when you pray in the Holy Spirit, and you get the leading from the inside of what He tells you to say and where He tells you to go, right, just as um, the ravens, right? The ravens are fed, right? So the where I was going was um, Elijah was led to a specific place and where the where the meat was, where the goods were, right? Okay. He could have looked and said, "Well, God did it this way over here. I'm just going to do it that way." Okay, but he got the leading. He listened to the Lord, the voice, and he went where they told him to. That's the that's what pastor's talking about. Praying in the Holy Ghost and get the specific, exact direction and what to say. Amen. So again, if you go hunting during during rifle season with black powder or with your bow, it might not be a good thing for you. Even though you can in specific times for that to kill that deer. Right now it's black powder, right? Is that right, George? Okay, just making sure. So don't go hunting with your rifle during black powder. Don't go hunting, right, on your, in your own might and power. Get the voice, of the, the leading of the Holy Spirit and what to say. He's specific. Amen. Amen.